Hi sister, welcome to Women's Collective Consciousness Podcast. I am Rin Fabrianti, or most people call me Rin. I am your host for this podcast, also founder of Women's Collective Consciousness, a mother, menstrual cycle coach, yoga teacher, and Pilates instructor based in Melbourne, Australia. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the tradition of the land where I record this podcast. I pay my respect to the elders past, present, and future. I also like to acknowledge to everyone who listening to this podcast. This podcast is all about remembering, relearning, reconnecting, and reclaiming the power of the wisdom as a woman and the magic as a cyclical being. We will unpack in the conversation around women's cycle, health, wellness, and well-being. And in this episode, I bring you very beautiful guest, Rowena from Rising Up. And we are going to unravel an empowering conversation around her experience of healing journey during premenstrual phase, moving deeper into the inner temple of the wholeness as a woman. And how can we surrender and give ourselves permission to show up into the world in this phase of our menstrual cycle? So let's dig in into this empowering conversation. Hi, Rowena. How are you? I'm so good. I'm really excited. Yay, I'm excited too. Um, Rena, before we get deep in into our juicy conversation today, I want you to just do some cycle check-in first. So where are you in your cycle right now? And then how are you feeling today? I am in day 21 and it's just around a full moon and I am feeling it big time. So I felt my womb drop this morning. I um laid in bed a lot longer than I normally do. I was um, looked pretty rough when I looked in the mirror today because all the estrogen has drained out of my body. <laughs> the wrinkles are showing a lot more this morning. <laughs> so I'm feeling I'm feeling good for going into my autumn because I can feel the clunk, but also um, my autumn is feeling better than it ever has. Mm, mm, mm. oh my god I hear it so much and where are you in your womanhood in my womanhood I'd say I'd like to think I'm in my autumn of my motherhood but realistically I probably am still in my summer probably towards the end of my um, womanhood so I'm currently the age of 42 and starting to see some signs of perimenopause but I think um, being really conscious about my health and being quite active, I have seen a change. So I think it could also be my health that has been impacting how perimenopause symptoms are coming up as well for me as well too, which has been really interesting actually. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting how when we increase our health, everything is shifting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 100%. Wow. Yeah, well, I am in my autumn um, on my day 26, but um, I think many listeners are sorry, you know, I love my autumns. It's a flip side. Wow, that's so interesting for me. Yeah, so it's a funny fact. It's my premenstrual, I actually feel more, well, obviously, like, no filter needed because like I can't filter any 
thing that is come out from my mouth. <laughs> but love I also that. love that wildness. And it's made my energy vibrate is just more, more, you know, like serve the world. Like I'm not into to going out in this stage, but I would love to having a deep conversation, like making a podcast like this or editing, you know, like work and stuff. I love to do that. So yeah, I love my autumn. I love my premature. I love that. It's like you're you're just in laser focus. I can see it. It's like laser focus. I get that the eyes is like, who is doing it? It's not Wonder Woman. It's got the eyes, got the laser on it. Don't know, but one of the one of the super women characters, right? Yes, you've yeah. got it. You've got that look. <laughs> got it. You can tell everybody that I'm seeing her and she has got that look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got that look. Oh, gosh, that sounds so fun. So let's move on here. We, uh, let's introduction about you. So who are you? What do you do? And what do you offer in this work? Yeah, I, well, my name is Rowena. Uh, obviously, I know you've introduced me. I am firstly a mother of three. I feel like that is my biggest legacy, which I know you will relate to too, Riren. Uh, and I'm based here on the Gold Coast in Australia, which currently we are also in winter, but it feels like spring has arrived early here for us. I am a menstrual coach. I am also a qualified coach. I hold a degree in psychology. I also hold a degree in a master's actually in educational practice in um, special education as well as mainstream education as well too. I am a certified breath worker, certified sound healer, certified all the things, just done all the learning. I'm forever the eternal student which I think makes the best place for women to sit with each other, to know that you're always learning. And I'm also a sacred space holder, which I've been doing probably since I was six, but realistically, (laughs) realistically holding women's circles probably for the last five to six years professionally now. But um, I felt like the classroom was also a circle space, holding the children in that container for a year which um, I dearly loved, but my commitment was to my children. And uh, yeah, when I when I entered into childbirth years for me, which was around 30 to 32, I realized a massive shift had happened and something really changed for me, which made me break away from all of that. And that was through birthing children. And I had to really like, I wanted to know more. So I would call myself a very sensitive human, always on the search and probably why I'm a forever learner. And I can see, Riren, you nodding your head that you probably feel the same way and that's where we connect. And I love connecting with women like you because I feel seen because I've always felt just a bit too much, you know, a bit too much for everybody. And um, seeing that wound in myself has really encouraged me to go deeper and educate myself more and feel more aligned with women and know that there's a big sisterhood wound out there that, you know, we we feel, we feel too much, but it's okay to feel too much as well too. Mm, mm, mm. Oh my God, I hear you so much. I think I have that experience of things, that, that's why I know myself. <laughs> it was... Oh my god, I think reflecting a few years back when I was doing 
um, interview, someone was just saying, oh, yours too much for your age because I'm pretty much still young. Um, and then some people is saying, oh, no, you're too overqualified for your age. And then, you know, like you, you don't need to do this kind of work. And then I was like, well, well, that's not the answer that I want to hear. And then for so long, I have that, that statement actually made me believe that is I'm not good enough like I have to wait until I grow older you know like with my age because I'm too young because obviously I'm still under 30 right now and yeah and then someone was just saying to me as well you know like oh you're too wise for your age you know are you make it up I was like uh no this is the life experience is given to me I mean like it's huge to doing whatever that I do and then to having that life experience that I have experienced. So of course, that's how it shaped me to be who I am right now. So I'm really, really in the same boat as you are. Um, so you mentioned about the too much, right? So I think I want to move into that topic. So what do you mean? I know you, you mentioned about all this qualification that you have and then you're a student forever like I do and how do you face this when someone's like too much about you how do you react yeah that's such a good question because I feel like I'm still the forever learner even on that statement and I hear you're too much and then not enough it's like the double wound that we walk with and we carry with. And for me personally, I feel like that has come out of my childhood, like feeling like I was um, always uh, too vocal or I could see an issue and I wanted to always fix it. And that's probably been the wound that I've carried through that I always wanted to be the helper and the caretaker and what happened uh, through recent lessons that I've been learning is that being in the caretaker role um, as a parent, a teacher, a wife, a business owner of multiple businesses as well, too, that I wasn't taking care of myself. So there was a really big question mark. And I've seen many women do this and almost like a searching, like a like a rat that was hungry and trying to find its last meal. I was searching everywhere for this information on why was I feeling so low? And, you know, I've got all of these qualifications behind me, like we spoke about this um, eternal student, this need to always feel like I needed more to understand myself. And I think what it really came down to was the idea of surrendering to myself. And just holding myself gently in that place and understanding that the expectations I had on myself were very unrealistic. And to see the impact, firstly, that it was having on myself, but secondly, the people that were closest to me, I realized me not having a personal relationship with myself meant that I couldn't have intimate relationships deep, intimate relationships with people around me. And that was something that I really needed to surrender to. You know, step away from victim blaming, from 
feeling like I was in stagnation constantly and always sacrificing myself. You know, we talk about the autumn for me being difficult. And I think that's because I would always sacrifice myself at the autumn. And I really had to look at, you know, this idea of when I get to autumn, I that's where I feel my too muchness. You know, my emotions run really high. In my spring and summer, I feel like I can um, console myself and hide myself, my true emotions. But when I get to my autumn, for me, I am the woman that um, unveils the sheath and takes it off the sword and the sword comes out. This warrior who was built in my childhood, built in my first manarch of how to protect myself, she comes out. And so I needed to make peace with that warrior that was inside of me as well too. And I asked the warrior, you know, if I keep sacrificing myself, what will this mean? And quite instantly, I had a vision of menopause and how it would be completely burning out and just not being the human that I had destined myself to be in my heart, in my soul space. So I think it was about going back to the warrior and asking what did I actually need to bring to the altar and sacrifice every autumn. And that was really hard because, you know, there's a lot of people-pleasing tendencies that I know that I still do, even though I feel like I'm. people will often describe me as a really strong woman and a person who I consider myself to be caring. There's still this need to feel safe in myself. And that comes from not making waves, not making problems because I, I want to be enough. I don't want to be too much. And I think it's that reconciliation of being too much is showing people who are really quiet on how they can also be loud. And so when we're loud and we're too much, it gives permission to other people. And I have two young daughters and the last thing I want them to do is to feel like they're in a position where they can't say anything, they can't be who they want to be and they feel like whatever their body is actually telling them, their mind overrides it. And I think it's really important that as parents we realise that it's not necessarily what we try and tell our children to be it's who we actually are that leads the way for them too Mm, 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 totally agree and I was just saying this to the woman circle that I hold um, on the space um don't be silent in this circle Mm -hmm. because we have enough being silent from this patriarchy um so whatever that you need to talk talk with other sister around you because you know like you're never too loud you're never too much because we just need to let our voice is out there I think it's also important to notice so many women that has thyroid issue and if you're seeing the anatomical perspective the thyroid is around the throat where is the throat is connected through our womb, right? Because it's just to that connection. And then I feel like when you have any issue with your thyroid, you also have your issue with your womb. And then this is just that connection where you don't need to fix it. You just need to surrender and then to look into it to find a way to heal. Because 
after all, we never broken and then we are not broken when you feel like, oh, I have thyroid issue or I have ovarian issue. And then you say, oh, I'm broken. No, 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 no. You are not broken. You just need that shifting energy. Your body is just speaking to you saying, hey, you know, something that you need to slow down, something that you need to accept it, something that you need to surrender into this you know, whatever that the work that you need to do and then work through it. You know, you don't need to mask it and then having pills after pills, medicine after medicine, right? So you just need to listen, really. And then I think it's beautiful that you mentioned that you have two young daughters that you want them to reflect the why, how you show up to the world and give them the courage to it's okay to be wild. It's okay to be showed to the world and then be who you are. So it's really beautiful. Thank you for that. And what you mentioned about your experience as well around this surrender. So is there any healing journey happening around there? Do you use the breath work or any, you know, like body conscious to heal this process yeah well to give you probably a little bit more insight so in um, I want to say 2021 we probably had the worst year of our lives we had um, family members who were quite ill and it was quite serious Um, obviously COVID had been was in the height of uh, how it was affecting everybody um, physically emotionally you know, on a, on a visceral level, our whole world was feeling a, a massive shift. You know, we were we were coming from this stage of darkness and I was really feeling it in myself. I felt like there was a whole new shift happening, a new peridium. And I felt like I was being shaken up again. And I think for me, I was really surprised by that. I, um, I had thought I had surrendered enough, but obviously it was another layer that I needed to shift within. I was um, really dealing with a lot around my motherhood wound, which is quite deep and raw. And I had put on quite a lot of weight, um, nearly 20 kilos, which is a lot. Yes, huge. And I think last year I got to a point where I was feeling just so desperate about it and the intention was there but my head heart and hands weren't working together at all they just weren't communicating and I just felt this complete stagnation that I had been stuck in and that was out of safety I felt like I had been in survival mode and stuck in that gear for a long time and I was completely dysregulated so whatever I could do to regulate myself at the time was obviously food um, and has been something that I have personally struggled with um, for uh, probably my adult life, not so much as a child, um, that I had really struggled with my body and how it had moved and had a lot of trauma in regards to how I related to movement as well too. Um, I had seen many PTs. I had um, seen dietitians, and a lot of them left me with trauma. So I came back to this space of really needing to do it. I found this really amazing coach, which um, was recommended to me by a friend who in we live very similar parallel lines in our in our family life and dynamics. 
and could see she was um, having a lot of success and she passed on the details of the coach. And, you know, as much as I've had the coach, the choice still was mine. I had a really supportive coach who, um, even though she doesn't realise that she's trauma-informed um, and she's very good at the way that she um, she comes about the space with me, I um, then really started to move. But the thing was, like, I know you were talking, Mirren, about how things can manifest in our body. And for me, every time I moved my body, it was my body trying to regulate in a new way. And that was releasing the emotion. So every time I would enter into movement, it would bring up a whole big trigger, a whole big trigger of negativity, a whole big trigger of um, feeling very raw, feeling very vulnerable. And I really had to create a safe space around movement, which has been very tricky, to be really honest with you. But just knowing if I can show up for myself every day and knowing that inner abandonment is my go-to card when things get really hard and then gliding back gently into it's okay to take care of myself and love myself, not only is it for the best investment for my body and I've lost um, 10 kilos from when I've started, which I'm super proud of, uh, it's shown me how my mind really does tell me a lot of stories and keeps me in this repertoire of the safety structure that I grew up with and what has come out of trauma, but it's also shown me how my body will always tell me the truth. So I know you were talking about how our body shows us, but our mind doesn't want to lead us into that space. It wants to protect us. And so then again, I think that's the idea of letting the head be leading it down into your heart and letting your hands finally do the work. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't, it, isn't it really fascinating when you are in a trauma state of mind and your physical body and your mind obviously doesn't want to reconnect and then you're just trying to find help out there and all you get is more trauma and trauma and trauma on top of everything. It was just ridiculous. But, you know, that sometimes you just have to be good through all that shit to finally finding the light. And then, yeah, is, is the coach, is it Charlotte? Uh, Charlotte was one of my coaches, but I actually have a health coach as well too. So um, Charlotte and I did a lot of embodiment work together. And then um, I use Jade from Align Coaching, who's actually, um, she calls herself, I think it's like a nutritional PT. So she's very good. And uh, just, I think for me to have a safe person again, to create that safe environment with a PT, who as a woman has been very healing for me as well too. As most people who have had any um, touch points with um, being with personal trainers or in gyms and there is a real ego in that, um, I want to say economy, because that's what builds the fascination around it because it feels like it's too hard and people can't touch it. And I think the thing that um, people will often write to me now, which just, it moves me so much when people write to me on Instagram and say, 
your story is inspiring me. I've gone out and bought a set of weights or I've got a treadmill or I'm walking or, and I, and I'm just like, thank you, because that's going to make me move tomorrow. So me moving tomorrow is then going to re-motivate you. And I feel like that was one thing I really wanted to share. I wanted to be vulnerable, even though I didn't know what the outcome was. And that was about the surrendering as well too. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think being vulnerable to the world is doesn't mean that you have to cry. <laughs> it's sometimes it's just to show up, you know, like, hey, this is me and then this is who I am. I'm not going to filter anything around me because, you know, I just want to show you that it's okay to be look this certain wise or it's okay to do everything is not perfect because... You know, like we are human beings, right? We always changing, evolving. 100%. Mm. So how was your relationship after all this happened with the food? Look, it's still... um it's it's still ongoing. I think it's always going to be ongoing. And I think that's something I've made peace with. It's like our, our cycle, it's ongoing. And the same thing comes up in our cycle over and over again. And the same thing comes up with food. And um, I noticed actually we went to an awards night for our other uh, business that I uh, have with my husband, which is in the building industry. And it was a prestigious awards night. And I was a little bit nervous and um, I could just feel myself needing to put things in my mouth. And I was like, wow, like it was just that, you know, out of body experience to really watch what was happening. And, you know, it hasn't been perfect. There's been many times where I wanted to throw the towel in. There's been many times where, um, you know, I've succumbed, but I think the message that um, Jade shares with me, and I know she will love to have this shared, is that it's all about just habits and creating new habits. And, you know, again, once you get out of your head about why it's so hard and why it's so difficult, I just didn't realize like just little tiny things were going to make a huge difference. And it was just getting up and doing a walk every day and making my steps to go to 10 case. And, um, you know, just getting up and making a time every day that I do weights or, you know, just and sleep and water and just choosing a few extra healthier things, still leaving room so that I didn't feel like I was completely um, shutting myself off from all the food, which has been an issue before around diets for me and diet culture as well, too. And I remember that um, issue being massive for um my 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 grandmother i saw her really struggle with food when i was a child and i loved her dearly i loved her no matter what size she was and i know my children see that too and so i guess for me um it's really about changing the pattern that i am creating in this fabric of our generational lineage i want my children to see that it's not hard that it can be it can be something that is achievable. And uh, we're always very body positive. That's something I'm really grateful to my parents about. They always have been very body positive, always very positive around food. But I think when it was in my 20s, I um, am a highly anxious person because of my sensitivity and felt um, when I ever would get into this great depression, which if you, if anyone follows Carly Mountain, she's an amazing uh, 
uh, author. I want to call her an author. She's also a coach. She talks about going into the descent. And I feel like really sensitive people will get this. They go into the descent. They go into the dark world a lot more than your average human. And we are the people we've come this lifetime to change, like massive change. And in my 20s, I felt these big descents happening. And every time I would go into a descent, food has always been the um, the thing that I could depend on. You know, it's been the constant. And it's taken a lot for me to actually sit with that and observe why. Why is food such a huge thing? And I think a lot of people don't understand that however you relate to food, your body, diet, all of these things comes from generations. And I know for my grandparents, my great-grandparents, they went through war where there was famine, there was rations. I remember my grandmother really um, making sure that it was so important. She made these meals and they were big and we had to finish the meal and, you know, all these different things. Whereas my parents were really just eat whatever you want. We don't care. I don't care if you finish your plate. But in saying that the relationship with food was never one that they loved it because they grew up in a time and era where they were forced to eat everything as well too. So I think it's coming back to that compassionate place for myself about what has my journey been with food and how do I show up with it? And also how do I show up with my children around food as well too? And their journey that was the other thing that really was a huge red flag for me is that I would be packing these beautiful lunch boxes for them every night and nothing for myself. <laughs> like why? Right? It's such a mum thing. And, you know, I've started packing a sandwich every night for myself and it takes me like not even an extra two minutes. And I'm like, it's just a habit. It's a habit. It's a story we have told ourselves that we have to put ourselves last. We look after everybody else. I'll look after myself later. And it's coming to me that if I don't change my story as a mother, as a caregiver, and also how I look after myself, then my girls will have this problem. So if I don't heal this now, I'm going to pass it on to them. And so that's my huge number one motivation um, to keep going. And Jade often talks to me. She said, what's your number one motivation? And I said, my kids are watching me. My kids are watching me. And that's the most important thing is I want to show up and be the best for them. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It's huge. It's huge. Um, Well, before we move on, we touched a little bit about the habits, about the food and, you know, like how is your grandparents and then, you know, like it's also not just your grandparents, but our ancestor really. And then I'm just reading this book, The Anatomic Habits. Oh, yes. Love it. Yeah, literally like in this page was just happening last night before we speak. So I highlight it and I just want to show with the listeners um, a few of the work from uh, James Clear here. The humans are also prone to fall for the extraversion of reality. Junk food, for example, drive our reward system into a frenzy. Frenzy, sorry. After spending hundreds of thousands of years hunting and hunting for food, 
in the wild, the human brain has evolved to place a high value on salt, sugar, and fat. Such foods are often calorie dense and they were quite rare when our ancient ancestors were roaming the savannah. When you don't know where your next meal is coming from, eating as, a, as much as possible is excellent strategy for survival. Today, however, we live in a calorie-rich environment with its abundance, but your brain continues to crave like it was hard to find. Placing high value on salt, sugar, and fat is no longer advantage to our health, but the craving persists because the brain reward center have not changed the approximately 50,000 years. The modern food industry rely on stretching our instinct beyond their evolutionary purpose. So it was just huge, right? It's not just... so relatable. (laughs) So relatable, yeah. And exactly my issue is that I would look after everybody else and then be so starving that I would reach for, you know, the wrong types of food, so foods that wouldn't help um may feel better and you know it's a loophole because you get into you already feel crap and then you feel crapper and it's hard to get out of that stagnation that feeling of crap and then you add more crap into your body <laughs> do you know what I mean so yeah I completely relate and um actually that's one of the books that Jade recommends is Atomic Habits and yeah I think that idea of um just the idea of even just planning um the 24 hours in front of you, if it seems too overwhelming, you know, what, you know, we're busy with, and I also get uh decision fatigue. So when I get what I've had, I've got to make so many decisions all day long, food is last on my list of priorities. So if I planned it the night before, um, that has been immense, immensely helpful. And um, it's taken a little bit just to really kind of understand that better but um even the idea of protein that's been really difficult for me to have protein more protein in my diet and protein is like a really important part of any woman who bleeds as well too because iron rich foods can really help you to be supportive into your bleed but also um fats when you're going into our little phase like right now you and me like for me I was like peanut butter I'm coming at ya like where are you? And but for me, I know like how much I can have now versus before I would have grabbed a packet of chips because I was looking for that fat. And, you know, I think we as women have never been taught this stuff because the uh, the diet culture needs us to not have the right information. So, you know, it's a multi-billion company trade that people live off on women in particular, having bodies that feel unhealthy and lethargic and something to look to is, you know, how quick fixes, how do I get there quicker? And that is definitely something that I have juggled with personally around the idea of what a quick fix is versus the long game because, you know, I've just slowly lost the weight and boy, have I enjoyed that. 
It has been the immense difference to me for making sure that this is going to be lifelong. Like I'm not going to just hop on this exercise bandwagon and, um, you know, like the biggest loser, you know, lose all this weight and then you see these people uh, gain all the weight back again. And there's a reason around that too, like what you're talking about with the atomic habits because people go back to how their brain is wired as well too. So I think it's that self-conscious idea of, how can I do this so it will be sustainable for the rest of my life and I'll be able to maintain this? And I think that's where we get caught out so often around our bodies as well too, is that, you know, um, just because you have a bigger body doesn't mean that you're healthy. It absolutely still can mean that, but it's how you feel about yourself. And again, the head, the heart and the hands have to all work together. Mm-hmm, totally. That's why, um, have you read, Flow by Alisa Fritik. I have it on my bookshelf. It's one of those books sitting on the bookshelf. She's <laughs> well, talking. I think she's, I'm pretty sure she's not. No, she's not nutritional. Um. Anyway, in the flow books, she's talking about how different food to syncing with your cycle, and in different sort of diet to sync with your cycle, right? And then remember, as a woman, we have this. You know, like 20 days, a 28 day cycle, not just the 24 hour cycle, right? 100%. So it doesn't work that way. And then coming from myself, I used to be a gym junkie back ah. in the days. <laughs> so I have doing, you know, like I'm so into like 45 days challenge or 30 days challenge. So I was like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And then Obviously, I was full of pre-workout, mm-hmm. protein powder, BCAA, mm-hmm. <laughs> all that stuff. Caffeine intake was huge, mm-hmm. right? And then now I was looking myself back then. I was like, "Oh my god, what have I put in my body?" You know, like, and then yes, I do look great, but. Am I happy about it? It's just like that cushion, right? But I think you do need to go through that process because otherwise you never knew what is serve you or what is sabotage your body and in your mind and in your health. And then now that um, I, I probably you know it, I've been to hospital a few months, uh, a couple mm-hmm. of months back, and mm-hmm. then that was so huge because. In the hospital, the doctor was like asking me, hey, how many coffee intake you take in a day? <laughs> and I was like, uh, well, I need to wake up 6 a.m. Well, not 6 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning. And then, you know, like I'm teaching all the way through until, you know, I 9 o'clock at night. And then I'm not going to be home until pretty late. So I have probably like four coffee intake a day. And then he's just laughing because it's like, no wonder why you have over insists. <laughs> so I was like, I was in this list of diet was like, the first is like no more caffeine. So scrub that coffee intake mm. and no more gluten because they also found under thyroid issue. Right. And while well, so there, no red meat. Um, I've started to introduce it slowly in the last few weeks, but before I couldn't have any red meat or any processed food 
like ham and you know like ham and salami and stuff like that it's making me vomit mm. so I actually vomit everything that I took wow yeah so I was just in this process this for the last couple of months to reintroduce all the food back in and then now I do understand which food is served me and in which food is sabotaged my body and then I think it is important as well to reflect in the food in the menstrual cycle because 100%. in each different phase is you need the different need for your food mm-hmm. intake right mm-hmm. and yeah uh, it's just it's just how to embrace woman really like woman's body is not male body <laughs> Totally. I I just love all of that because I think it's such an important conversation for women to have that um, I know that you can actually go, probably the easiest way to find out what you need is to do seed cycling if you Google it as well too for everyone who's listening. And if you think about the cycle um, broken up into four parts, you've got spring, summer, winter, autumn, and you look at where the seed cycling relays into those cycles. So spring is our maiden from when we first played up until the ages of around 27. And then we have the motherhood stage, which is linked into summer, which is from ages 28 to when we start going into menopause. And then menopause, um, we have the, um, which is our crone stage or, uh, sorry, enchantress phase, I should say. And where seed cycling is actually really good to know is the exact same thing that you do at a minuscule level from those 28 to 35 days, however long your cycle lasts for, is the exact same thing you should do in where you are in the phase of your womanhood. So leading into menopause, you actually need more fats. You actually need, you'll actually be looking for those more salty type craving things. And the reason is, is that because we lose so much estrogen, we actually need good fat so that we can retain our tightness in our skin. We also need that to help us with our uh, joints, to help them move and to be free and easy. When we go into menopause, we also have a lower density in our bone mass. So it's really important to also build muscle and why it's also really important to have healthy sources of protein. Now, I was like you, Ruren, when I was in my 20s, again, I did a lot of challenges and lost a ton of weight without swearing. Um, Again, similar cycle to what has happened before. I had no idea why I was taking proteins or powder or BCAAs or, you know, I just took it. But now I have a better understanding And so much so that I have so much better understanding that my child who has never seen a doctor in regards to this has has just declared herself as dairy-free because she knows that when it hits her body, it feels really bad. So much so that I didn't even know she declared that and parents will bring cakes for her to school that are dairy-free, which is great. Like this is the stuff that our generations need to change this so that, you know, when we get to these ages, we're not taking all these things just for the hell of it, just because some gym junkie said, oh, yeah, this works for me, you should take this too. And then we get into, you know, later stages of life and we find it so difficult. Like for me even now, I'm finding that I find it a lot harder in my autumn to move. And so I know for me in menopause, that's definitely going to be an issue because it's already showing up in my autumn. So whatever shows up in our autumn is the exact same things we're going to have in our menopause. So our body shows us the way. 
The body will show you exactly what's going to happen. It's giving you brief little glimpses of exactly what has happened. And so exact works backwards too. So if you go into your spring, which is related to your maiden, and there is unresolved trauma or emotions that have happened in your spring, your body will show you the way. And that's why it's really important to get out of your head Get out of your head, get into your heart and your hands to understand what is actually going on and into your womb, into your womb more importantly, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Well, I, would, I wouldn't want to say this, but does that mean I will be half better than I Look, your body's showing you the way. It's showing you the way. It's showing you the way, Rerun. It's definitely showing you the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was just when I was doing coaching with Charlotte, it was so fascinating because Charlotte was like, What's what's going on with you? It's like, where are you in your cycle? And I was like, Well, I'm on my pre-mastrum, like I told the eye. And then she's just looking at me like, Are you for me? You sure? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm so, so sure I love my autumn face. So, yeah, hopefully, finger crossed. <laughs> you know, our body is the most intuitive vessel. You know, it understands seasons, it understands our cycle, it understands how to make babies, even though we don't trust it when we get to that stage. You know, and I think that's the thing that women forget is that if you don't trust your body, that's like saying you don't trust yourself. It's the most intuitive thing that you can do that's why we do cycle uh magic why we look at how to embody every part of our cycle and if your cycle is showing you every autumn hey this is an easy ride it's the other parts that may be not as easy they're the parts that it's asking you still to bring forth you know and every time we go to a rites of passage whether it be our first men up into our motherhood's rites of passage even to our menopause even into our death portal we have to bring something to sacrifice at every portal as an offering and if we don't, we go into this descent of like, where, what, where is, what is it? Because the body and the mind aren't aligned. And until they come together and align, then it's where you start to feel that inner alignment, that embodiment, that true embodiment of all the bodies, all, you know, the spiritual bodies, the physical body, the emotional body, everything is invested together. Totally agree. Listen, listen to that. <laughs> Um, Rena, we are in the end of our conversation, but before we close, I want to know what is the three things that you are is grateful for being a woman? Mm, wow. I love my period. I'm actually really going to miss it when I don't have it anymore. Um, I've, I've, um, yeah, I love my period. Um, I love the fact that I was able to experience childbirth um, through vaginal and C-section. And I love that um, I saw my body change and what it did for me. I'm really grateful for that. I feel a bit emotional saying that. Um, I'm really grateful as a woman that I can take pride in my body and that I can put beautiful colours on it and I can wear dresses and I can always dance in my body and that that is um, a beautiful gift that has been given to us from our grandmothers. Mm. Mm, mm. Oh, my God. So it's nice with that. Ah, so 
if the listener want to find you, where they can find you and then how to get in touch with you. Yeah, you can go to www.raisingup.com.au. Raising Up is the handle that you will find me under Instagram. Raising Up is my business and coaching name. I am also based on in, in the Gold Coast in Talabadra in a beautiful leafy acreage where you can come and do sacred circles with me as well to or do one-on-one embodiment coaching. Or you can also find all my details for how to work with me online as well too. Awesome. I will put all that link in bio. And then thank you again for to be our guest today. And I hope you have a beautiful day. You too. Thanks, Riren. Mm, sister, thank you for joining us for powerful podcast episode. Don't forget to check out our Instagram at Women's Collective Consciousness for the update of our next event, Women's Circle Workshop and Gathering based in Melbourne, Australia. I also have a free gift for you to start your menstrual cycle journey. Check out our website www.womanscollectiveconsciousness.com to reclaim free guide how to cycle chart. If you enjoy to listen to this podcast, please share it with other women in your life. And I always learn and striving and evolving. So don't forget to leave a review and feedback. Thank you, beautiful. Thank you.